Hey, hey, this is Raj Mantaj from the On Call Empath. This is the Elite Series, and I wanted to bring on my next guest who is well-versed not just in anxiety, but high-functional anxiety. That's right, and um, guys are going to get a lot out of this, especially if you are in a position where you're at work and you're constantly under stress. Uh, maybe you're in a abusive marriage, been through divorce, um, or any type of stress where you have to perform. You might be a single parent and you have to kind of balance everything out, but you're just going through the motions. This is definitely an episode you do not want to miss because my next guest is going to be talking about overachievement and perfectionism. And that is something I know a lot of my clients have issues with, I should say. So if you're an empath or a highly sensitive person, uh, I know that one of the things that we try to do is people please overachieve, trying to get that uh, validations from from other people. Uh, we These standards that are set by society or let's say by somebody that uh, we care about, or we look up to, uh, if we don't hit those, um, we start to have anxiety. And that could be for schooling, getting a, uh, in a high position in a career. And then what happens is, once we hit that and we get into uh, a career or we get into that marriage or we get into whatever it was that uh, we worked so hard to get into because of other people, we end up burning out and we ask ourselves, this is not what I expected. And the anxiety goes through the roof. So with that said, uh, my next guest, Nicole Thaxton, is a high-functioning anxiety expert, co-founder of Atlantic Wellness Collective in Atlanta, Georgia. She's board certified and a licensed a counselor and an online educator and speaker. She knows what she's talking about, and she's been through it herself, and she's going to go a little bit into uh, her own story, so don't miss it. Stick around till the end. She's going to give you some tips that you can use right away, so sit back, relax. And let's get started. Three, two, one, zero, 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 for another episode of the On Call Empath. And I get a treat for you guys on this Elite Series today. Uh, my next guest is Dr. Nicole Thankston. Um, she's a high-functioning anxiety expert. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, generational patterns, hormonal uh, issues, especially with people with anxiety. You guys definitely don't want to miss this episode Nicole, it's an honor to have you on this podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm really thankful to be here and can't wait to kind of dive into all the things. Yes. And I can be the first one to tell you that I always struggled with performance anxiety and just kind of just, I mean, I can function, but like I always get anxiety, like before I do something big or if I had take too much on my plate. So there's a lot of empaths that are tuning in today. So Let's uh, dive right in. How did you get started in the work that you do? And I know that you have a, um, a wellness center in Atlanta that's doing really good. 
um, and you're a co-founder of that and you're board certified licensed professional counselor and online educator and speaker. So how did you kind of transition into that, especially after everything that you've personally been through? Yeah, it's such a good question, but it's also like one of the most challenging questions for me because it's like, <laughs> tell me about yourself. And I'm like, oh gosh, like, how do we do what? that? Yeah. <laughs> But I, yeah, spot on. So I'm a licensed professional counselor in Georgia and my husband and I co-founded Atlanta Wellness Collective, um, which is a holistic counseling and wellness practice outside of Atlanta. And I, I would say like, if I took it way, way back, I know we're going to talk about generational patterns and to me, story and narrative are so important. And so the work that I do, I, I can't say it's not interconnected with me and like who I am and my story. And so, you know, I grew up in a family that I'll make this quick, but mental health was, it was very valued. It wasn't very stigmatized. And I am so incredibly grateful for that because as you know, mental health can be so stigmatized in our society and in many, many, many cultures. And, um, I had a great, great grandfather who was in like a psychology-esque kind of program at some point. I I mean, obviously didn't know him, but um, I have a very, very longstanding family history of mental illness and addiction and divorce. Mm. And I'm really, really thankful that my grandparents, my, now not not necessarily all of them, but um, my grandparents, my parents, they all have sought counseling and therapy at different times in their lives. And it was really, really normalized. And so when I, um, was in high school and college, I wanted to go into the medical field. Most people in my family are doctors and, you know, in finance and (laughs) same. Same here. (laughs) So, so you, this is going to be a little mini therapy session for us, like high achievers, I think, but, Uh, (laughs) um, there was always just so much expectation. And I grew up in a very competitive, um, very academically successful, um, family and achievement was very valued and grew up in a very competitive school and in Atlanta. And I always wanted to be a doctor, but I really, my world was kind of rocked when I went to, um, undergrad at the university of Georgia and started working in a counseling department for my church that I grew up in and just sitting with the individuals that I was so privileged to get to sit with and they would allow me to be in on, uh, kind of like counseling sessions and intakes. And, um, I coordinated funerals there. I met with grieving families and in the hospital with the pastors and, um, it just really changed my whole perspective. And Mm. I kind of switched my trajectory to go into counseling and therapy. Um, and I would say kind of more practically, that's how I ended up where I am now, but I would say that mental health has always been something that's very interesting to me, Mm -hmm. um, along with personal growth. And I kind of got into my niche with working with high achievers, or as I've coined the term, it's not my term, but anxious achievers. Um, I kind of got into that just because I was doing so much of my own exploration and my own work, um, in just kind of tearing down these, not only kind of generational messages and patterns, but core beliefs. And, um, my own identity was really wrapped up in just achievement and was Mm -hmm. highly, highly anxious, went through some pretty traumatic things in my early twenties, which I'm, you know, sure we'll probably get into a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
and just started doing so much research and work in this area that now I, yeah, counsel, um, other high achieving individuals who experience anxiety. Yeah. I, I like to call them overachievers or overfunctioners, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's really rewarding work. Yeah. I mean, I can totally resonate with everything you're saying. Cause I started off after college. Um, I went through the same background. I wanted to do so many great things and I worked into, you know, a corporate setting and it just wasn't for me. I tried, I kept going and I, I just said, I have to make this work somehow because that's what you're supposed to do. That's what I was yeah. trained to do as a child, but it all starts from childhood. So I wanted to focus on that. Yeah. Um, you actually were born a high achiever um, <laughs> and, you know, you wrote something saying, uh, let no one outwork you today. And you would be writing that in your bedroom at eight years old. Um, yeah. What did you mean by that? And how did you start off at that young of an age? to already be like, I'm going to be like the best and best. And if I don't, that pressure, you know, that, that could really, um, come, you know, take with us to adulthood and it could really uh, rock our world, uh, later on. For sure. So I think for anybody listening, um, one of my key points when I'm working in therapy with clients is we aren't born into a vacuum. Like we're not born and, oh, here I am. And blank slate, right? Um, we're born into family systems with generations of values and generations of um, potentially false core beliefs and anxieties and hurts and traumas. And, um, you know, all of those things impact us. And so when you look at my family, you know, everybody is very high achieving. Um, I would say that was a huge, huge family value growing up along with excellence and personal growth. And, you know, all of these things are wonderful. I have a wonderful mm -hmm. family. Um, I love my family and I'm very, very close with them. But yeah, I think what happens is we get these kind of core beliefs from a young age and these messages of who we are and how we um, are going to earn worth and how we're going to yeah. earn significance and how we're going to earn safety. Cause ultimately right. it's really, it's really about safety. Right. And so, um, we, we grow up with these messages and a lot of the times they're not cognitive. They're kind of underneath the surface, right? They're not obvious. Nobody's telling me, Hey, you have to achieve or you're not worthy here. Um, yeah. you can't be in our family anymore, you know, but it was things like being a little kid and being told messages like, or, or given praise when you do something really well, or when you mm. get an accomplishment and that, that feels good. So you learn you're conditioned yeah. to keep doing that. So yeah, when I was eight years old, I wrote this big sign and my parents still have it at their, their house. It's actually the kind of infamous sign that I created. It was a little scrapbook thing. And mm -hmm. it said, let no one outwork you today. And I'm eight years old and I have it on my, on my wall and it just kind of became my motto. And I yeah. would say it made me who I am today in a really good way and has brought me a lot of success, that message, mm -hmm. but it also led to a lot of burnout and a lot of people pleasing and perfectionism and kind of losing my mm -hmm. own voice in the way and not really feeling worthy unless I was yeah. outworking everybody. Right. Right. And, you know, I can contest to, yeah, like even in our culture, um, I'm an Indian descent. I mean, we have this stigma, um, probably it's changing now, but like I've had people on my podcast of the same culture where it's, if you don't get a certain grade, um, you know, you're, 
you're less than. And, you know, sometimes it, it really affects people. And I grew up in a time back in the eighties and nineties where I was surrounded by people and it was a lot of people were competitive. I lost a couple of friends to suicide because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I still remember like in my head, like I, I saw all the signs, but I couldn't say anything because I was a kid, but it would, it would definitely affect me growing up because I was like, okay, if I don't, if I don't uh, get into a certain school or get into a certain profession, because again, coming from uh, a medical background, that's, yeah. I mean, not that I was pushed into it, but like, I just felt like I had a need to go that route, but I didn't. And yeah. so I was like, I'm going to show them, I'm going to go into uh, finance or sales and I'm going to be the number one salesperson. And even mm-hmm. though yeah. I was, and I was making six figures at one point, I was burnt out. I was depressed, anxious, and I would only be happy when I sold, when I had those six figure days where right. I was like, yes. And then the days I had nothing, I would just be like, I would be in my down, down days where I'm just like, maybe, maybe I'm not worth worthy, you know? So I know where, where that comes from, but uh, I yeah. wanted to ask you, I mean, you've seen so many clients. Um, what are, what are some of the things um, that you talk to people that are overachievers um, that are perfectionists that even if you tell them like, you know, you've gone this far and you've done all this in your life, look how much you've accomplished. But for some reason, there's a barrier. It's like, we can't see that. Like, it's just, it's not registering in our brains. And I get that with my clients too. It's like, as much as they've made so much um, progress, it's like all black and white. It's like, if I don't get here, it it's all for nothing. If I don't get into medical school and be in the top schools and graduate at the top of the class, then it's all for nothing. But so it's like a black and white thing. So what is, what is your take on somebody that comes to you and says, you know, I'm worthless if I don't do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And your health is pretty much suffering like your mental health, even when you get into the fields. Cause a lot of people that I know, even lawyers and stuff that I have friends, they hate what they do. They like, they would just get the next day, but they can't, you know? So. (laughs) Yeah. Well, honestly, I would say the first thing is a lot of the time, by the time people are kind of calling me or reaching out, they are pretty aware that this pattern isn't working for them anymore. You know, like they have an idea. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think there's a part of reaching out um, to a therapist or coach or anyone else that takes so much courage and bravery because it's vulnerable. It's very vulnerable to reach out and say, I need help. Like I've been trying to do this all on my own and I I'm not getting anywhere. And so I think it's the bravest thing that you can ever do is to begin going to therapy. I don't think it's weak at all. I think it's actually incredibly brave and courageous because you're saying, I can't do this on my own. I'm needing help. That in itself is humility, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then you're on a journey of self-growth. So anyway, I want to say most of the time when people come to me, they're kind of like, Hey, I've been trying this, you know, finding my worth and achievement, finding my worth in productivity, finding my worth in success, finding my worth in wealth or money or relationships for so long now. Um, that's what I was conditioned to believe is going to give me worth. And it is not working out. And I would say if anybody listening is in that place, it's like that in itself is step one, just like awareness that maybe there's, maybe there's something else. Maybe this isn't what my worth is based in. And for me, it took kind of getting to that rock bottom. Mm -hmm. This is just my personal journey. It, It kind of took getting to that rock bottom where 
I've shared this story before, but I was in my PhD program. Um, I got my undergrad, I got my master's um, in counseling, and then I went on to get my PhD. And I'm in the middle of my PhD program. I've been in school for eight, nine years at this point, um, you know, college and graduate level. And I have this full, like, mental breakdown, identity crisis of like, Mm -hmm. why am I even doing this? Like, am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? Like, is this purely out of that childhood conditioning of like, if I don't get the PhD, I'm not worthy. And there was a huge part of me that felt that way. And I remember having this conversation with my husband and he's like, well, what are you going to do? Like quit? And I'm like, no, I ain't a quitter. You know, I definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely not Hell a no. quitter, Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the conversation we had. And I'm like, wow. but I need to find a deeper reason for why I'm doing this. And I sure as hell need to find a deeper mm-hmm. reason for what my worth is actually based in, because this is mm-hmm. too rocky. Like this is yeah. too, if my worth is based solely in me achieving, I'm going to be achieving until I die. And it is exhausting. And so I would say that when I start working with clients, it's like most of them have already kind of come to that awareness. And what we're doing is we're kind of building awareness and rebuilding, um, exploring that conditioning, like that, that childhood conditioning is strong. Mm. I mean, if I've been thinking and living and breathing this one way about my worth for at that point, it was like 27, 20 something years, you know, it's going to take a while to rebuild that and and change that and change those beliefs about myself and those core beliefs. And, um, that is, that's a lot of the deep therapy work Mm -hmm. that I feel like we're doing. Um, discovering who am I and Mm -hmm. what really actually is my worth based in and um, how do I want my life to Mm be, you know, and then taking steps to get there. So obviously it's a long process, but I would say it's a process that I've been through personally. Yeah. And I think that's huge being a therapist because I've been to many therapists myself. And I feel like when I talk to them about, especially cultural issues, it's hard for them to grasp like the pressure I mean yeah like there's other cultures that do do the same thing but for me like I felt like particularly like every person that I was coming across was like resonating like yeah that's exactly how my parents were and so that leads me to generational stuff is this something that's taught in the previous generation of our grandparents and and so on so forth because let's face it guys the everyone that's listening whether you're empath or highly sensitive person if you are doing something that you don't have your heart in and you work so hard to do it you're not going to enjoy it i mean i found out the hard way that money is not the answer cuz obviously i chased that and i figured like okay if i can't be a doctor then maybe i can do something that pays a lot and then i can maybe prove to everyone and myself that i am worthy but all that did was cause more depression anxiety and it led to a breakdown, just like you said, like that moment you were burnt out. So this is a time I want to pivot to that generational uh, patterns and people pleasing. And how do we grow awareness, especially if you're in a family structure where it's, it's like, even like, if you get like below an A minus, you're like nobody like that's from childhood, not to say that I was going through that, but like everyone that I've reached out to even clients, they have said like anything lower than a certain grade, or if they didn't get into a certain program that they would, they would just be like talked down to and their, their family members would not accept them 
or even invite them to like holidays and stuff like like really stuff that would take years to undo and then they would go to you and then you would have to go backwards and way back and start over and find out who they are so what do you think about the generational patterns and and how to break break that well the first thing I want to say that I think is very 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 important is you anyone listening has the power right now to start that healing process for your family line (laughs) And maybe the people before you didn't have the resources, didn't have the knowledge, didn't have the education, you know, emotionally, mental health Mm -hmm. education to do that healing work. But something that's been so powerful to watch is I've been on this journey for over 10 years now, specifically the therapy journey, been in therapy very consistently myself for over 10 years and talking to my mom and my grandma healing doesn't just happen in one direction. So I'm healing not only in the hope that I can leave a legacy of health and healing for my family, you know, that's coming behind me, but healing goes in all directions. So it's crazy talking to my mom, talking to my grandma, they say things that I'm learning, they are learning things that I'm healing from, they are healing from. And that is the generational nature. And I would say the collective nature of healing and working past that conditioning, because it's like, you can be the catalyst to start that healing process in your family. Now, is it going to happen? Maybe not. Maybe that doesn't happen for everybody. I'm so thankful that I've gotten to see that. Um, those just branches growing from those, those seeds that were planted long time ago. But, um, yeah, I think step one is just kind of for yourself, starting that healing mm-hmm. journey and building those awareness, that awareness around what those patterns were and what those core messages were. And man, if you can get your family on board with, with that process with you, a, a lot of the work that I do is, is family work. Um, and it's so powerful to be able to see families come together around, mm-hmm. um, an individual member who's struggling, the family that's struggling, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I can't even remember your question at this point. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm so glad that you are very transparent especially being a therapist cuz I've I've had many therapists on here and I I know a lot of them outside of here where the, I'm friends with but for you to come on here and be transparent like you understand like especially what your clients are going through. I think that's a big component and it says a lot about you as a person that you really want to generally help people, which is, it's definitely hard to find because there are good and bad in every profession. And I think one of the things is just being able to empathize with, with someone to connect, because that's, what's going to help that other person um, heal and get back on track. Cause if, cause I know that when I went, you know, like it was, it was very hard for the person to understand what I went through, especially the cultural aspect Um, the, you know, PTSD, the CPTSD, the people pleasing, all that kind of stuff. You Mm. can read it in the book, but like, if you haven't been in that environment and you really haven't been in that for years and decades of constant, um, you know, just constantly always on guard, it, if it's not checked, if, if someone doesn't go to you, it could one day you can be working and I don't care if you went to the best schools and you're doing really well, it could hit you like a ton of bricks 
and you can burn out and that could be the that's what happens with a lot of people when they get into their, in their career so um so i wanted to kind of switch gears here and kind of ask you um if someone is dealing with performance um anxiety or they're in a, a career that's very demanding what are some things um that you kind of tell um your clients that kind of work that they can use right away maybe after this podcast and by the way guys this is not medical advice definitely see a therapist or a qualified doctor um so with that said what are some things that you could recommend for someone that's listening right now um that could they could just kind of nudge them towards that that route to start to at least get some of those symptoms under control Absolutely. I really appreciate your disclaimer because I, I mean, my n- number one tip is like, <laughs> if, if you have access, like, please get, get connected with a therapist or a counselor. Mm-hmm. If you're experiencing anxiety or depression or PTSD, you know, I think that having that personalized treatment experience with mm-hmm. a professional who is there for you is so helpful. But one of the biggest things that I share on my Instagram, um, which is kind of heavily focused toward high functioning anxiety, but, you know, it goes across the board for anxiety, performance, anxiety, social anxiety, like any, anything. Um, we, we can't really talk about anxiety without talking about the nervous system. Sure. So, you know, basically anxiety is coming out of a lot of a dysregulated nervous system. And that starts with the fight or flight that starts mm-hmm. with the section of the brain that is there for safety. And I tell people, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit maybe countercultural in this. I don't care. I'll be a rebel, <laughs> but um, I tell people that anxiety is not all bad. And so mm-hmm. I think the key number one is working on regulating your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, practically, what does that look like? Um, that looks like incorporating mindfulness and meditation and breath work um, progressive muscle relaxation. I mean, you can Google a lot of these things I share a lot of this, um, on my Instagram and in my newsletter, my weekly newsletter, but, um, another one is, you know, massage therapy. I think healing through the body is one really, really massive way to overcome anxiety because as I'm sure, you know, anxiety is very physical. There's many, many physiological symptoms of anxiety, stomach butterflies, Mm -hmm. headaches, stomach aches, nausea, racing heartbeat. Right. And so we need to learn ways to regulate and calm the nervous system, um, and start getting really good at that. And I don't believe that anything else is really going to be effective until we're able to regulate our nervous system in a, mm-hmm. in a better way. So that's another thing that I focus heavily on in therapy with clients is working to regulate their nervous system and help them actually feel a sense of calm, mm-hmm. um, know how to calm their body, recognize their anxiety triggers. Um, I'm a big fan of journaling. So building awareness yep. through journaling. Um, I have a lot of resources on journaling too, but it's very therapeutic. For, so therapeutic and <laughs> journaling can look like anything. I prefer to journal like my anxious thoughts or um, maybe different, um, sensations that I'm feeling in my body that day related Mm -hmm. to anxiety. Um, gratitude journaling is also like (laughs) neurologically shown to like rewire your brain. Mm -hmm. Crazy. So, um, I think all of the normal, like yoga and exercise and getting into nature. And 
I think with the way that our world is now with the technology and the fast pace of our world, and especially for achievers, um, we've kind of lost touch with a lot of these things that we used to be able to do to calm ourselves and regulate. We're not really in touch with those things anymore in our modern society. And so kind of getting back Mm -hmm. to some of those things and finding calming rhythms is key. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's many different ways um, to re- reduce anxiety and, and every person's different. So if you guys, yes. you know, tried everything, um, definitely don't give up. I mean, I've even gone as far as like CBD oil and like all kinds mm-hmm. of supplements and or medication. Up, yeah, medication, medication. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, I for me, there's no shame in the mental health game. So mm-hmm. I'm like really whatever healthy things that you need to do in order to get to a place where your body and your mind are feeling calm. It's like, start with one or two things and mm-hmm. actually give it a fair shot. Like, I feel like sometimes clients or other people on yeah. social media or whatever, they'll be like, I tried journaling and it didn't work. And I'm like, um, did you <laughs> try days. it like two times? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you're talking about rewiring like it brain have, patterns. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen in two days. Like sure. it took you 25 years to get here. It ain't going to take you two days yeah. of journaling <laughs> to get out of here, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what I tell a lot of my clients. It's like, you got to sit down and just do it. Just write. Even if you have to swear or if it's whatever you want to just put on the paper, just put it and you can rip it up afterwards. It's just, it's so therapeutic. I do it. Um, and I may, I might just rip it up afterwards, but I need to get those thoughts out. And sometimes, you know, you don't want to go to somebody and tell them like everything. So you just write it out and I feel so much better. But if somebody is listening right now and they've tried everything like journaling, meditation, and let's say it's more of a hormonal issue. So let's talk about that. Um, yeah. How does hormones impact our mood, our anxiety, our cortisol, testosterone, estrogen, all of that. So if that's off balance, none of that's going to work, is it? Yeah. So I like to say that anxiety is, well, there's many parts of anxiety and mental health, but yes, a huge component of mental health is chemical, hormonal, Mm -hmm. even genetic. Like there's very, very heavy genetic connections with ADHD and bipolar disorder and anxiety and depression. And, you know, we're talking about those generational patterns of the way that your family has coped for generations. When we talk about addiction or trauma, um, And those things can be really tough. We also have what I call situational factors. So that would be something like a a huge life transition or a divorce or a trauma, or um, you're going through something like a job change or a pandemic, you know, Mm -hmm. like a situational factor (laughs) um, contributing to anxiety. So when we talk about chemical um, or hormonal issues, I mean, one of my biggest, just to dive into the recommendations without really talking about why that is, um, is to get frequent blood work done Mm -hmm. um, with a, with a, you know, functional medicine doctor or MD or, you know, your family medicine doctor, whoever's doing your regular annual checkups. Um, You can test for cortisol levels, for thyroid. thyroid issues are very heavily linked with anxiety, um, as our anxiety and digestive issues are heavily, heavily linked, um, because 90% of our serotonin is actually created in the gut. Mm. And so if we're having, um, any type of imbalances in our gut or issues with our digestion, 
um, that's going to impact our serotonin, which is going to impact depression, anxiety. Um, So I definitely work really closely with um, a lot of doctors and MDs. Um, I suggest regular blood work just to rule out any sort of medical chemical components. Um, And ultimately you can work with your therapist or your counselor and your medical professional in order to kind of rule things out and then be able to make a proper diagnosis and treatment mm-hmm. plan. Yeah. The, the gut is the second brain they say. And, um, and that's what hits a lot of people when they get things anxious, their stomach starts hurting like me, like yeah. I'll feel it. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, something like I'm not anxious, but I'm going to be, cause my stomach is starting to, cause I get those butterflies and stuff. So I can totally say that, you know, gut health is very important, at least for me, like I have to watch what I eat. And if I eat like certain fatty foods, I'm going to feel like crap. (laughs) Like, well, and we're, we're connected. Like, that's what I think is so maybe that's like the take home point here is our body, our mind, our emotions, our relationships. Um, it's all connected. We're not just individual little floating beings and everything's all segmented off. And I mean, that was one of our biggest, um, missions when we opened Atlanta wellness collective was to really be able to combine the mind body, um, spirit approach and why we offer therapy along with nutrition and and dietetics and massage and chiropractic, Mm -hmm. because, um, we're not just kind of focusing on mental health. We're also trying to help our clients really, really, really solve what is the underlying Mm -hmm. issues here. Um, and I think that's the future. I mean, that is the future of mental health care and healthcare in general. So it's, we're, we're all connected, you know, in that way. Yeah. I mean, especially with social media and all of us, like looking at a computer all day or a phone, there's not much movement and, um, yeah, that causes that's, you know, depression. Cause you get that high dopamine and, that's why we're all kind of addicted to our phones and, and our work. Mm -hmm. And so just wrapping up here for, for everyone that's listening out there that might be still affected by the pandemic um, they're going through so much in life. What can you kind of tell them if they're kind of going through a hard time, even now that we're still in the pandemic phase, but it doesn't seem like the world will ever go back to the way it was, even the jobs. And so there's a lot of people that are depressed. Um, They've given up. They're maybe in a abusive relationship with a narcissist or they're in a dead end job and they're just like, okay, I'm just going to do the motions. But what can you tell that, that listener right now that's listening, what can they do to just kind of get, just like baseline and, and start moving towards something that could lead to a little bit more productivity and happiness? Well, I would say that you're not alone. I mean, I think that one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest lies that I can believe is that I'm alone. You know, nobody understands my experience or nobody will ever get it. And I don't think that's the case. I think that the community that you're building here with the on-call empath is huge because this is a community of other individuals who experience these same things. And I think one of the superpowers of being a therapist, there are many superpowers, but I think one of the superpowers and one thing that I really wish um, everyone got the opportunity to experience is to sit across from individuals and hear 
their struggles and their pain and celebrate their wins with them. And um, I feel like I'm constantly changed and stretched just by getting the sheer blessing and opportunity to do that. Um, Cause for me, it's an, it's a big honor. Um, and why I say that is because what it has taught me is that we really are not alone. You know, mm-hmm. we really are not alone. Um, I've worked with all sorts of people and what I know is we all struggle. We all go through mm-hmm. hard things. We all self-doubt. We all feel stressed. We all yeah. feel depressed. Um, and I think that especially in a pandemic, especially when you're feeling depressed and anxious, the first thing is to think I'm completely alone. I'm messed yeah. up. You're not messed up. You're not alone. No. And I would encourage anybody listening to reach out for support. Yeah. Um even if that's just on Instagram or, I mean, obviously Instagram's not therapy, but (laughs) I mean, even if it's on Instagram or even if it's, you know, maybe a coach or a therapist or a local counselor or a pastor or somebody who you can connect with, Mm -hmm. um, that you trust and just share with them that you're struggling. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's step number one. Yeah. I think that was one of my biggest thing is it's like, it's taboo to reach out to somebody, go to a therapist, medication, yeah. all this stuff. Cause this is what was like downloaded as a, you know, growing yeah. up. So it's like, I'm not going to do that. So what if someone finds out, but now I'm an advocate of them. Like you need to go to somebody that knows what they're talking about, you know? And, and that's when I started doing that, like it was like a game changer. So well, Nicole, it's been a total honor um, for you to be on the podcast. Um, I just love your Instagram because like I watch them and they're so entertaining. So if you guys check out her Instagram, um, cause I get a lot of, you know, good ideas from that too. So, um, if you want to just give a shout out to your website or yeah. your things that you're up to, feel free to let my audience know what you're up to. Sure. I think the, the number one resource that I have at least right now is my weekly newsletter. That's the anxious achievers club. And, um, basically it's just a space that allows me to provide resources, tools. I, I provide like free YouTube trainings. Um, and I get all of the ideas and content for the newsletter from my Instagram story crew. So, (laughs) um, the Instagram story crew typically kind of pulls what they want me to write newsletters about. And this Mm -hmm. week's is all about the nervous system and regulating your nervous system. And, um, I've got newsletters on journaling. And I mean, so many great things. So I would say join the newsletter. Um, it's a super fun little community and we have a Spotify playlist We're mm. we're official, you know, it's fun. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm at Coco Thax. So C-O-C-O-T-H-A-X. <laughs> and, um, that's kind of my little Instagram, uh, world, I guess, but really it's just a community for anyone who considers themselves an anxious achiever. Um, yeah. I pretty much just share like the anxiety content there. Um, mm-hmm. and I hang out in stories and you can see, you know, a little bit of my entrepreneurial journey and kind of what we do with Atlanta wellness collective. I'm also on TikTok, and I have so much fun on TikTok now. Oh, I um, love them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on TikTok, lots of anxiety content. Um, and my TikTok is at Dr. Nicole Thaxton, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Nicole Thaxton. Um, and I can send you all that info if you'd like, but, um, if you, 
if you catch me in any of those places, um, you can sign up for the newsletter in my Instagram or my TikTok bio, but, um, yeah, you can find all my info there and that's kind of where I hang out each day when I'm not with clients and doing all the work stuff. (laughs) Awesome. Well, keep up the good work and I'll look forward to all of your entertaining TikTok videos. (laughs) I wish TikTok I could do that. TikTok is so fun. I know. I'm like, how does she do that? Like, it's. I have to tell you just really quickly because <laughs> I think this is hilarious. So I was telling somebody this today, but I started my Instagram as a way to like collect resources that I use with my clients. And I was like, I just need somewhere where I can like share this with somebody. Cause I talk about this all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. And so my Instagram just started kind of becoming this collection of like anxiety tools and mm-hmm support. And then, um, my stepdaughter is, uh, she's 13. She's like, you have to get on TikTok, you know? And I'm like, no, <laughs> like I don't do the video. Like, right. no, I just, I create the graphics. I'm good. Um, cause I'm actually, you know, pretty painfully introverted and like, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I was like, no, no. So she set up my TikTok, and, you know, a few months later we're at like 45,000 on TikTok. <laughs> we had a few viral videos and I'm like, wow, okay. People are enjoying this. So yeah. my, my TikTok is like all high functioning anxiety community and it's mm-hmm. hilarious. And I have no idea what I'm doing, but it's a lot of fun. And I get to kind of enjoy that with my stepdaughter a little bit. She yeah. kind of connects with me through that. Um, it's very and, cre- and other creative. Things. Very it's creative fun. It's, content. It's yeah. really fun. <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate that. I enjoy uh, being social media friends. <laughs> there you go. Guys, check her out. And uh, again, you're always welcome back. Uh, I hope to collaborate in the future. If you come up with anything, I'd love to work with you again. So thanks again for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. All right, guys, stay tuned. Uh, This wraps up for this elite episode of the On-Call Empath. Always keep moving forward. And with that said, we are out. You're listening to the On-Call Empath.